Victoria, welcome to the podcast. If you could just start off by telling us a little bit about your career so far. Sure. Hi, Peter. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's an honor. Um, my name is Victoria. I'm quite passionate about all things marketing, influencer marketing, greater economy, and that's essentially how I've been in the industry uh, pretty much all of my professional life. I have uh, worked in consulting, management consulting with focus on marketing uh, across the Middle East. I then moved into Nestle, where I was the digital marketing lead uh, for the B2B business, hashtag LinkedIn. <laughs> and current, I then moved into Google, specifically for working for the YouTube team. Uh, I was doing a marketing role for the EMEA market, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And I currently work as strategic partner manager uh, for YouTube, where I work with some amazing, amazing uh, creators uh, across the market. Yeah, and how did you first realize that marketing was how you wanted to start your career? And, and why was it something you were so passionate about staying in? Uh, great question. Um, I think given that uh, we're talking to university students or potentially high school students, right? Um, I was a very confused student and I, I'd say I didn't know for a very long time where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And uh, the way I found out was just through experience, honestly. It's uh, through my first marketing internship, I learned that that's something uh, I'd like to pursue as a career. I did not have a major related to marketing and I definitely was always intrigued by ads and advertising industry whenever I'd see an advertisement. Uh, but when I actually did a marketing internship, I was very excited and decided I'd pursue that um, full-time whenever I graduate. Yeah, and you went to university in New York. Um, having spoken to you a little bit beforehand, you've been almost everywhere and anywhere. Um, and tell, tell me a little bit about your experience at New York and, sure. and, and how you actually found out what you were passionate about there and decided, oh, my first step. How do you come about some of Sure, sure. Um, I actually went to a very uh, specific uh, program. It's New York University. Uh, but specifically, uh, New York University has a pro an international program called New York University Abu Dhabi. Um, I'm originally from Russia, and I was uh, from a small town, actually. And I was looking for different opportunities uh, abroad to travel all around the world. And I've heard of this specific opportunity that allows you to study in up to four countries. And fun fact is uh, the university in Abu Dhabi specifically uh, covers uh, the cost of that, uh, which was an interesting value proposition to me. Uh, I applied and uh, got in. And while I was at New York University Abu Dhabi, to answer your question, they just exposed us to so many experiences, um, so many, whether it was an internship or uh, a class. Um, I got to just navigate different cultures while living abroad, uh, have different friends from different countries, um, really learn what I like and not like. And frankly speaking, sometimes it's looking at what your peers are doing, uh, what your professors are talking about, and just learning what you like and don't like. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious as to how living and working in all these different places has contributed to, you know, you've ended up in, in London now working for YouTube and 
obviously London is also a, a very cultural place with, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure Egypt has a very diverse uh, workforce and you are now a managing a team and, you know, you have a responsibility to fulfill. And yeah, I'm curious as to how that influence and in living in different places has shaped your management style. So, well, I'll guess I'll start with where I lived so the audience uh, gets a bit of a background and then um, I'll let you know how uh, that impacts day to day. So I um, am from Russia, grew up in Cyprus as, as a kid, um, then moved back to Russia at age 12. I then went to the U.S. at age 17 for an exchange program uh, for high school. Um Future Leaders Exchange Program, if everyone knows, it's a big program with lots of alumni. So uh, shout out to anyone uh, on the podcast if they're uh, part of that program. It's a great one and I hope you enjoy it. Um, After that, yeah, I went back to Russia and then went to university for four years. While at New York University Abu Dhabi, I spent time in the Middle East studying Arabic, but I also uh, spent time in the U.S. In uh, I did a semester in Spain. I did one month in Argentina and one month in Australia. So it was really, really fascinating. And after that, after graduation, I decided to uh, pursue my career in the Middle East, practice Arabic, and essentially um, really get uh, a bit of work experience specifically there. And I was in Dubai for four years. And now I moved to London. Um, Talking about managing teams. So I don't necessarily manage a team directly right now, but I manage many, many stakeholders and let's say teams such as agencies uh, on very, very frequently. So there's definitely a lot of people management. And we were talking about this with my team today where uh, over time or with international experience, whether it be in London or outside of London, you learn that people have different paths. And I think you just learn to respect that as much as possible or let's say keep that as a strong reminder to yourself that people around you may think differently and um, not to be too surprised when someone has a completely different idea from yours and um, I think it just helps you be a bit more tolerant and in a way more innovative where you expect people to have different opinions different ideas around you and I imagine you're just more open to dialogue that way. Um, so that's one way. So let's say if I work with someone from the Middle East, uh, I expect usually or sometimes a different way of working versus with someone that a stakeholder that's in the US uh, and vice versa, a stakeholder from Russia and so on and so forth. But I do think there's a danger zone. One shouldn't stereotype just because they had this international experience. They think they know how a person behaves, so on and so forth. But definitely it helps, I think, just open your mind and um, be more open to different ideas. Yeah, I want to go back to something you said earlier, where you said you were a confused student, which I think is kind of the reason why I do this podcast, because you're kind of meant to be confused. But the problem is, for some people, that confusion stagnates them in a career sense and uh, is almost paralyzing in terms of stopping them exploring different avenues and doing like things. But even though you were confused, you obviously were you know, your education and your careers, you're always doing something. You're on the move, you're on the go, experiencing new things. How did you overcome you know, that paralyzing feeling that can come with confusion? This is such a good one. Um, and when I was listening to this, I was really confused for a very, very long time. You're not alone. And even if it takes years, you're not alone. Trust me, trust me, trust me, because I, you just reminded this 
to me and it took me so many years. And I know if you look on my LinkedIn or whatever socials, it looks like I really know what I like and it took so long. And even, you know, even now, so you still might have several doubts here and there, but, but what really helped me get out of this confusion is really trying to do new things. And I think that's probably a theme in your podcast, but really just, just keep trying to do new things. I remember back in the day, I was following Gary V years ago. Do you know Gary V? Like, yeah, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in some ways, and, and he kept saying, and I agree with that. Keep trying new things and learn what you don't like. Because that will give you clues into what you like. It's definitely very difficult because you might discover you like so many things and you don't know what and which to choose. But uh, I'd say in the case, if you're continuously confused, just do things. And I know it can be paralyzing. Paralysis sometimes comes from perfectionism. So try to work on that as much as possible. And what drags me out of perfectionism sometimes is just do something you love. So um, in my case, it was um, classes on research or classes related to human connection somehow. Yes, they weren't directly marketing related, but it actually helped in my day-to-day job uh, these days. Another thing I really, really loved was Arabic language. And you'd think, how is that related? But I currently work with the Middle East a lot. Um, So that helps in my day-to-day job. So two pieces of advice. Keep doing things and lean into the things you like. Yeah, you said uh, if you look at your LinkedIn, it, it looks like you know you've always been known what you were doing. But when I look at your LinkedIn and you, you look at your posts, you make a very conscious effort to kind of explain that whole journey, and and that comes up the, the the name or the word of personal branding, right? And it's so important now; it's more important than ever, I think, because um, now even if you're starting a company or you're working for a company, you can't just be hidden behind a screen. You need to put your a name to a company and a face to it. Uh, so what, what are your, your views on, on personal branding and any advice to your students who might be thinking, I want to build a personal brand, but where do I even start with it? Because I don't feel like I have one. Yeah. Um, this is a really good point. Um, I'd say, yeah, build a, I'd say building a personal brand is paramount right now. It's very important. Uh, why? Because essentially the barrier to entry, or let's say we were now in a time where so many people create, you know, it's no longer where, let's say this person who's so great at drawing will create an account and, uh, post their pictures of their drawings because they're such a talented artist. Let's say, uh, Creating a personal brand is no longer something that's, you know, for a brand manager that really knows how to do this and so on and so forth. It became a lot more normalized to just put yourself out there. Um, this is my life. This is who I am. And this is my this is personal brand. So I'd encourage people to do that um, because essentially this is um, where we are at the moment. So if you're running a company, essentially that is the pressure. But this is not to say that you have to. There's ways that um, you can work around it. If that's something you're not comfortable with, you can have your team members help you out with that, right? There can be people who are representing you on the partnership side, or there can be people representing you from different angles. So I wouldn't say it's a must-have, but to the people who are interested in leaning into that, go all in. That's all I'd have to say is that keep, keep at it, 
keep it consistent. And I'm really happy to hear that you're saying that I have a personal part to it. And that's exactly my uh, agenda or let's say objective usually is like really bring your authentic self to social media, to online platforms as much as possible, because this is what will create that um, connection with your audience. You know, where the days that I'm mentioning are are in the past where only polished content is out there that's, you know, so perfect and so amazing. Uh, we're in an era where everyone's creating and, you know, if you are seeing yourself doing that, go ahead, do it. If you're looking for a sign, this is it. Yeah, and what you said there is exactly why I started and I'm doing this podcast still because you see these CVs and you think they're so unattainable to, to do what they did, but I really want to humanize and, and, you know, for myself, but also for everyone else, make it seem much more feasible to, to replicate a career like that. So, yeah, thank you for, for sharing your journey. It's, it's amazing you're doing that. I want to ask about Google. So you spent some time there. YouTube is technically still within the... Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's basically, yeah, yeah. we're literally, it's just a floor in the Google office. We all have a Google email and so on. So at Google, I've had three people from Google on the podcast now, and I find them all really fascinating because when you think of corporate companies, you, you tend to think of like a bit more red tape, more restriction, but... At Google, they really seem to have developed a, an environment ethos where they encourage people to do their own work as well, away from the company. Like, I think they actually said they delegate an amount of time. 20% of projects. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, how important, you know, obviously Google is the pinnacle for a lot of people, but was that in your decision-making to go there? Yeah. Um, actually, I had, a, I think, a weird journey with it. Um, I remember I got recruited. And uh, I remember I was working at Nestle and uh, yeah, and then I, I was looking out for a job and I remember yeah, a, a recruiter reached out and I wasn't sure um, actually if I wanted to full on uh, go for the opportunity. It was a great opportunity, but uh, in a way, I guess in my head, I had this um, idea that just because a company has a huge brand not, I'm not going to fall for it. <laughs> that, that, that's, that was my, uh, maybe a bit conservative view where I thought, well, you know, it's great. You know, lots of companies have great brands, but that doesn't mean necessarily I, I belong there or, or like I, I, I like to, to be a bit, you know, um, I'll, I'll do my due diligence or whatever and whatnot. And, um, and I joined <laughs> Google and honestly speaking, however cheesy it might sound, I definitely feel that a lot that is the part of the positive that's told online is quite true. And I'm very grateful. Um, I'd say that the thing that strikes my chord pretty much every day or at least every week at work is the people. Um, I hear a lot of people working at Google say that, and I stand behind that as well is people tend to be incredibly empathetic and incredibly intelligent. I can't vouch that, you know, for every single person in the company, but that has been my experience where I just feel um, sense, um, not every day, obviously, but uh, quite frequently, I feel a sense of joy uh, for working with the people I'm working with, where I feel my ideas are welcome. And um, even if, you know, let's say, there's room for improvement, room for development, it's usually done in an empathetic way 
but not in a way where I feel like I'm not developing or not doing cool things. Um, I feel like a lot of the work I'm doing is strategic, is incredibly impactful and incredibly cool. I feel pushed and challenged, but at the same time, I feel like having a good time with some really, really cool people. And that honestly, apart from all the you know fluffy things that they talk about online with the ping pong tables and, you know, candy and ice creams we have and we do do have that uh, I think it's the people that really like uh, mind blows uh, like is mind blowing for me yeah without going into the intricacies of your day job I assume a big part of your your job is working with creators and in that creator marketing space and you see I mean even with two that I'm involved in you kind of live and die by a sort of of what you put out online and, and like generating that momentum and traction is a lot down to influencer marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And your advice to companies, other brands on, on how they can really utilize and make the most of influencer marketing and, and what is it? Because some people won't know. Having a good time with some really, really cool people and that honestly, apart from all the you know fluffy things that they talk about online with the ping pong tables and, you know, candy and ice creams we have, and we do do have that. Uh, I think it's the people that really like uh, mind blows, uh, like is mind blowing for me. Yeah, without going into the intricacies of your day job, I assume a big part of your, your job is working with creators and in that creator marketing space. And you see, I mean, even with Wall Street that I'm involved in, you kind of live and die by a sort of, of what you put out online and, and like generating that momentum and traction is a lot down to influence marketing right mm -hmm. and your advice to companies other brands on, on how they can really utilize and make the most of influence marketing and, and what is it because some people won't know yeah yeah i think yeah i mean even from my work uh as a creator on linkedin or instagram or working with having worked with creators I do believe um, very often uh, brands are a bit shy, one reason. And second reason is there's not enough infrastructure to work with creators, right? Because um, shy is because sometimes you're afraid that the creator was creating awesome content. Well, you know, in 2018 posted this video that they're not super comfortable with, so they're not going to work with them. So that's one uh, reason which... I think is a bit tricky because um, to me, again, social or being online is all about being authentic and uh, taking risks, as a matter of fact. Uh, so it's important to still invest in, um, in influencer marketing because it's a huge opportunity. And two, sometimes there's not enough infrastructure. So uh, brands feel like, well, it's just easier to go and you know do a digital marketing campaign and book a bunch of uh you know, online ads at a click of a button and that's true and it's unfortunately uh there's sometimes not um no support which is a great you know hello startups <laughs> opportunity and there's a lot of them out there um so again to answer your question is don't be shy work with a bunch of creators i mean like i i really think we're not no longer in the era where we want to be that polished. I mean, look at what's happening online, right? It's a lot of short form content going out every day, if not every hour. So it's time to be part of the present and the future. Uh, and to work with startups, companies, whatever platforms there are that create the infrastructure for you to work with uh, influencers. 
Um, I don't think I need to explain what the ROI, insane, insane ROI influencer marketing can bring. I think everyone knows how creators constantly sell out brands and constantly, constantly bring beautiful stories uh, to a brand. Uh, but yeah, there's a couple of gaps. Yeah, and it's that, that storytelling as well is so important and they, and they just help you do that as well, whether it's like bringing in the, that videography skill or... You know, putting people that aren't meant to be on camera in terms of like maybe they're a bit more business savvy. Like. 100%, 100%. I mean, um, there's a creator who I've been following for years, like personally, and absolutely love her content. Content is educational, fashion, and uh, very much about self-development, some fitness. The person would regularly, she would only do ads a few times a year, but if she did one, the store sold out within 24 hours absolutely you know and no matter how much supply they would bring they just absolutely sell out and this is the kind of power one creator can bring to your brand and again one don't be shy it might take risks i mean yes that creator potentially every once in a while can post something that she strongly believes in that might make you uncomfortable as a brand um and two yeah it probably took some either scaled work or in a way, you know, very personalized work where you had to approach the creator and really find a connection with the brand. But because that incredibly strong storytelling was built, you, you're sold out within 24 hours. That's absolutely insane. So, um, and I've heard of these stories on and on and on and over again, or scaled approach. You know, there's plenty of companies that uh, work with influencers at a scale. And again, uh, there within hours, you can get sales and so on. Um, so I'd say it's just, yeah, really just, just do it. <laughs> yeah. And although you may not classify yourself as an influencer, um, I'm sure you worked with a lot of influencers day to day and, you know, you know them really well at this point. Mm -hmm. Having conversations with them, have they given you any advice on, on how one would become an influencer? Like maybe learnings that they made that they would yeah. try not to do if they were to do it again? Yeah. I think, um, with my creators and creators I work with, uh, very often we do, let's say, an exchange of ideas or very often I help them grow on uh, YouTube. And um, overall, having worked with these creators, the most common point, which honestly just refers to all of life or anything in life, is consistency. Um, it's just a matter of continuously doing the art or the work you're passionate about and not stopping, not giving up um, creators that, let's say the most, let's say for lack of a better word, famous, or the creators that have um, a huge, 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 let's say millions in audiences are usually people who absolutely love what they do and they wake up for it, they do it super consistent and so on. I very often make the comparison with the gym, right? Everyone knows how to get a six pack, but unfortunately what, how many people have it? It's, it's, recently there was a survey or something that won't, like less than 2% of women have it or something and something something crazy like um, yeah so why everyone knows what you need to do but you know you need to have the love probably usually for the sport or the lifestyle and actually execute it passionately so honestly the same with content creation yeah maybe not so much with the gym but with content creation in my opinion one reason why for example I didn't, was scared about posting on LinkedIn initially is, you know, 
you've been in any kind of school or university which you have like there are social pressures that come with it like, you know you feel like you're being judged and mm-hmm. and really like for my own personal opinion the only advice I can give is know who your friends are like because you know, not only is life a lot better when you when you know that like but when you start putting out content like they don't have to like support and comment on everything everything you do but like if someone is genuinely like like looking down on you or making fun of you because you're putting something out there everybody wants to have a career this is a good one um i definitely had a moment in my life where i wanted to be off socials and that was exactly because of peer pressure i think and um retrospectively um you later understand um, that that peer pressure is something that you best avoid, um, or you later understand that um, what I'm trying to say here is that for a very long time, I didn't believe that you know you can have haters or like people that look down upon things. I don't like uh, thinking of people that way, but at some point, what you learn is whenever you start putting yourself out there, uh, we sometimes call it uh, tax on content creation or whatever. I, this is not an internal YouTube term or whatsoever. I've heard it somewhere where the moment you start putting yourself out there and especially the moment, you know, one of your posts or whatever, your account starts hitting a certain viewership, whatever, uh, likes, comments, whatever it is, you will pay a tax. And that is the haters or that is the people that you know or people that you're very close with that will give you a comment that you will not be happy with. Mm-hmm. And I think when you hear it from people closest to you or, you know, your coworkers, it's it's probably it's usually the most hurtful or uh, painful or that hater who, you know, comments on your appearance or whatnot or says something that's very truthful. But um, again, very hurtful. So. Tips on overcoming that is just know that you're doing something you love. If you're doing something you love and you're not hurting anyone and you're not doing something like you're, you're not making someone or something worse off, continue doing it um, and grow your art, grow your passion. Also, another tip is uh, surround yourself with people like yourself. Uh, that's very usually, usually really, really helpful. Um, and that's what I also love about uh working at companies like YouTube or in, in creator economy, you're surrounded by a bunch of content creators. Everyone's creating content. The last thing they're going to do is um, judges, judge each other uh, uh, for the post they make. Yeah, something that Craig Fenton, the manager director at Google, said to me a while back now was you need to live life with a sort of a playful curiosity. And, and I think 100%. to get that going, you can't, if you can't find it in your actual day-to-day job, you need to find it outside of that. And, you know, I mean, if you look on your, your Instagram, you've been doing things like stand-up comedy, you obviously, like, try a lot of things outside your day job, and I guess that helps to bring it into your, your actual day job once you're doing it outside of it, you know, that, that constant curiosity of learning the other things. Like, he was, he's a pilot, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a crazy guy, but uh, definitely he's someone to look up to. What, what, how do you make sure that you're sort of living by this playful curiosity, not, not to this is a, um, a really good point, and I absolutely love the idea of playful curiosity. I think I've learned more of it at Google, actually, because I mean, even today they brought us this helium-packed balloons that are edible, and we're eating candy and, you know, inhaling helium for fun. I mean, you know, 
all jokes and, you know, very safe. But, um, and sometimes I was like, why on earth, you know, do we have this in the office? But exactly that playful curiosity or, or making sure you're playful. I mean, my meeting today comprised of what, more than 10 meetings and a lot of work. Uh, but finding those pockets of joy throughout the day, I, makes me so grateful as an employee, but also in a way, um, indirectly, uh, fuels my productivity. Um, obviously one can abuse it as much as they can, but, um, so I would add that to your life as much as possible. And how do I do it is by creating mental space as much as possible. Uh, what I've learned the hard way through experiencing burnout at some point in my life is that if you don't expose yourself to nature, to proper social time, to proper proper entertainment time. And you can usually only expose yourself to that by creating mental space. And you can create mental space through physical activity, not enduring too much stress in your life. And once you create that physical, again, mental space, I'm not a mental professional here, but uh, once you have that space, all of a sudden you start igniting a sense of curiosity in something. So an example would be, you know, if you're a student stressed out during finals week, I mean, good luck enjoying, you know, your bingo game, whatever you like to do for fun, right? But if you're, let's say, at the beginning of your semester and you're just enrolling classes, all the classes are introductory classes, okay, all of a sudden you have a bit of mental space, then, you know, Take a moment, go for that walk and think, oh, what am I curious about? What do I want to learn about? What do I want to do for fun? And schedule it. <laughs> really try to add it in. Uh, my story with stand-up comedy was both me wanting to get a hobby, but also it was just actually a very, very good community out there. And let's say it was a more of a like dance where they really uh, dragged me in as well. So that I'm super grateful for that. Um Basically, I can't take 100% credit uh, for my uh, stand-up comedy uh, hobby, although I really enjoyed it. But basically, sometimes what I'm trying to say is you really need to schedule these things and push yourself to be curious. Uh, but sometimes you will meet a community that uh, will also help you uh, expose yourself to something new and cool. Yeah, and as someone who's just done three years uh, at university in London um, and kind of growing up in and around London my whole life, my dad said something to me when I was a lot younger, which I didn't really understand because I was young and, and it didn't really mean anything to me at the time. But he said, if you treat London well, it'll treat you well. But if you treat London badly, it'll treat you badly, which basically means that you could be, obviously for a lot of people, moving to London is the pinnacle of like, how are you excelling your career? And it's like, gotta go there, gotta go there. But then you can go there and you're, you're paying a lot of rent. You're living in a small place compared to maybe back home and you're working obscene hours and you're thinking like, why am I doing this to myself? But I would implore people to realize that there's a hidden uh, cost in, in that rent and everything, which is like, there is the, the, the best entertainment possible, the best cuisine possible. There is there all these things are available and yes, they're not, they're not free, but you know, some are. And I just think you should as a, a driver, but you can't use it as a driver unless you try and experience it. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, because obviously you've lived all around. I'm actually curious on your, your own views of London and how you're making the most of it. I, um, so my, yeah, I, first of all, I love London. 
And um, second of all, Madrid used to be my number one city. Ironically, although I lived all over the world, people always get surprised. But I think I like the whole Mediterranean feel, probably because I grew up in Cyprus. Uh, but slowly but surely, London became my number one uh, favorite city, favorite place to live. And exactly um, to re respond to what you were saying, yeah, I think there's a hidden cost behind the high cost um, compared to Dubai or New York. Um, I do believe there's so many great, cool things you can do for almost free, uh, either free parks. I am a huge lover of parks. I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe I lived in the desert for too long or maybe in cold weather for too long that I just love going to a park and that's usually too bright away or a walk away. And, uh, at some point I almost put this objective, uh, like invisible objective in my head that I need to visit every park in London and good luck. It can take you 10 years <laughs> to do that. Or, I mean, I guess I'm a slow one, uh, but you know, those are free. Um, again, if you don't like parks, fine. Um, there's a bunch, a bunch of museums, free museums are free in London, uh, a bunch of then cultural events and moments that are affordable. And uh, frankly speaking, I found uh, London, apart from the rent, more affordable than a lot of cities around the world. Um, if you're just careful and you're leaning into the culture side of things. And yeah, incredibly, incredibly rich when it comes to exploring uh, new things. And I've heard a saying, maybe not as romantic as your dad's saying, but that it literally takes at least three, if not five, if not 10 lifetimes to explore London. So in a way I have a bit of FOMO <laughs> knowing that there's so many corners that I won't explore in my own life because it's just such a big city with so much to offer. Yeah, I'm curious with how much you love London and you're working in a, in a great job right now. Um, you know, it's fair to say that your career up to now maybe isn't like a, a settled one. Like, you know, you, didn't, you don't settle for a location or, or a job, so to speak. But, you know, as you are getting older and, and trying to, and getting closer to like big life decisions and everything, are you feeling more settled than ever? And, you know, what really what is next for you? Do you have ambitions to do things for yourself, like on your own? Like, what are those, uh, those pressures in your, in your head right now? <laughs> well, um, without getting too much away. I mean, um, I definitely, I'm enjoying my time at Google and, uh, I really, just want to learn and grow uh, within the company. I'm also very passionate about working with startups and that's something um, I do where I work with founders and I've helped in the past, I still help founders uh, with their marketing strategies, sales, uh, growth strategies. And it's been a really, really exciting journey, especially in London, there's so many cool um, projects, startups, uh, all sorts of people from all sorts of uh, walks. So yeah, I just plan on continue doing that um, and see where it all takes me, uh, to be honest. I really like London and I want to stay here for a while, but honestly, I, I never, you know, never say never. So um, I'll see where, where life takes me. Um, I think in life, success is um, understanding what you want and having what you want, but in a balanced way that keeps you happy. It's already been great. Thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs>